Hi, my name is Scott Barber. This is the Landscape Ontario podcast. Today I'll be speaking with Dr. Darby McGrath from the Vineland Research and Innovation Centre. Darby is a research scientist and her work addresses the challenges of tree survival in the urban landscape. She joined me at the LO office in Milton to talk about the new Ontario Tree Guide. Darby was part of the team that updated the guide with the latest research and information, and it really is one of the most comprehensive tree planting guides ever developed for the landscape industry in Canada. You can find it online at greeningcanadianlandscape.ca. Also, Darby will be at Landscape Ontario Congress on January 9, 2020. She will be joined by guide co-authors Glenn Loomis and Ian Bruce, so be sure to check out locongress.com for details on that. But first, here is my conversation with Dr. Darby McGrath. The Landscape Ontario podcast is sponsored by Dynascape Software. LO members save 15% on Dynascape products, software upgrades, and online training. Visit dynascape.com for details. Darby, thank you so much for joining us at Landscape Ontario today. It's great to have you here to talk about the Ontario Tree Guide. Um, would you mind starting us off with a little bit just about yourself, your background, and uh, your role at Vineland? Sure, thanks for having me, Scott. Um, I am a research scientist for nursery and landscape at Vineland Research. and I'm also the program lead for a program called Greening the Canadian Landscape. Fantastic. Now, would you let me uh, let us know a little bit about what led you to pursue a career in horticulture? Sure. So, I grew up in a family where we spent a lot of time outdoors, and uh, I think I can attribute a lot of my interest in trees and plant identification to my grandfather. Um, he used to take us on a lot of hikes where we would actually do uh, plant identification in the field um, with things like the Audubon Guide and things like that. Um, and then my formal training uh, in university is really as a restoration ecologist. That's sort of where I, I jumped back into uh, the natural sciences world. And um, I also spent a lot of time uh, in my younger years as uh, sort of apprenticing on, on a nursery where we actually did a lot of production of uh, different ornamentals, but certainly roses and trees and things like that. And so. Um, when I started at Vineland, I was really excited about the opportunity to pursue research uh, fundamentally and to get to look at solving some of the challenges that we see out in our landscape every day. So I want to go back to this uh, idea of being a kid and doing tree identification. Was that something you enjoyed at the time or was it like, oh God, we got to do, Grandpa's got the, Grandpa's auto, got he's the got the guide out. <laughs> And we're being quizzed. Yeah, no, it, it was, uh, it happened very organically. He was, he was an excellent teacher. So he was actually a teacher. Uh, it, um, that was his profession, but not a, not a naturalist, um, formally trained or anything. He was just really excellent um, at botany and he just had an un, you know, sort of this passion that for plants and we spent a lot of time out there and we, we certainly picked up on his passion for nature. That's fantastic. Now I want to move to the tree guide yeah. uh, that was published and became public um, just in the last couple months. Mm. Uh, can you give us an overview of uh, what it's all about and, and why it's important? Right, so uh, the tree guide was uh, really started out as us revisiting some details that had been uh, drawn up by some folks at Landscape Ontario in the early 90s for you know just tree planting uh, details. 
and um, a committee was formed and really started to look at you know what should these details look like and what is what's foundationally different um, for guiding the details now and so when we were brought in my team at Vineland what we started to look at was you know what is the science out there for tree planting and one of the things we you know we get access to that may be the practical uh, practitioners on the ground or that you know practical people in the professional world don't have access to is all of uh, you know the new science things that are coming out evidence bases change um, and certainly that's something that we feel our role is at, at Vineland is to help translate that and move that out into the world so what we ended up doing was taking a couple details and really and really taking it to the next level in terms of providing some of the the science behind that so I'm curious about how much things have changed. I think you mentioned that um, you know this tree tree guide. Uh, there was a tree guide uh, for Ontario, and this was um, this is an update to it mm. and a really comprehensive one. Yeah. Would you say that uh, you know there are there have been a lot of changes from you know 15, 20, 30 years ago to today in terms of what you know as a what we know as horticulturalists about trees. I think that there's been a lot of change in practice um, and things certainly have evolved and you know I can only speak from my experience what I see in the landscape but um, there's been a lot of really amazing uh, research happening out there in Canada and the US uh, certainly in Europe on uh, landscape tree planting and so for us it was really taking um, a hard look at what things have evolved. So things about tree quality have certainly changed a lot over the last 10, 20 years. Practices have evolved um, and even the kinds of production that we have available to us to plant into the landscape ha has changed certainly. So being able to update the guide and include um, information on all of those different things uh, was one of our main tasks. Now who is, who is the guide for, would you say? That's a great question. We, you know, we spent a lot of the time thinking about the audience as we wrote this, and I think um, what we ended up doing, I hope what we ended up doing was creating sort of a layered approach in the guide. So um, the guide is structure, structured in chapters, uh, which really is, you know, sort of a high level summary of the, the evidence that's out there for some of the new practices that are being proposed. Um, so for people that really want to dive into that side, we've provided that. So that might be of a little more interest to people that, you know, have a lot of experience in horticulture. But then we've also tried to distill it down into like actionable items in the field sheets. So for people maybe that have less experience or, you know, if, if uh, landscape companies have crews of students or things like that, that you don't have to have the whole background set of information to help you work through it. So we did try to create, um, you know, a set of information that you can intervene at wherever your interest is or wherever your skill set is. But it's, it's certainly for um, a broad spectrum of the green industry. We, we see it as having uh, useful information for arboriculture, for landscape contractors, for nursery producers, and we hope it's a shared resource for everyone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, can you outline a little bit about the development process and, yeah. and maybe some of the, the key players and people mm -hmm. involved and, and how this came to be and how it, uh, and how it was created? Yeah, so um, as I said, we, we were really fortunate uh, to work with Landscape Ontario uh, specific through, specifically through Tony on this, but the other thing that uh, Tony brought to the table was a really excellent steering committee. So 
Uh, my team at Vineland, so myself and uh, my technical team, which included Ryan Monroe and Jason Henry, we actually authored the guide. But we worked very, very closely with, with this steering committee and uh, you know, some real key players are people like Dr. Glenn Loomis um, and Ian Bruce, as well as Paul DeGroote. Those, those people really provided uh, a lot of support, insight, a lot of time reviewing, uh, lots of drafts of this because um, as we started to write it, everyone you know, could see that it, it, was, uh, it was evolving, it was changing, it was not going to be what we set out to do originally. So um, working with, with those people ha who have so much experience and knowledge, I think really made us feel solid in the product that came out at the other end. Now I'm thinking I want to put you on the spot a little bit okay. and just ask about um, you know any specific examples of how things have changed. Can you think of any of, of um, you know whether it's about uh, tree quality? Yeah. Can you think of anything off the top of your head uh, that would be examples that are new in this tree guide compared to its previous versions? Yeah. So I think one thing. Uh, well, there's two things that we spent a lot of time talking about as uh, collectively collectively as a group, and and one was. Um, was soil preparation, like how big does the hole have to be when you plant a tree? What's, what's big enough, right? And so that is something that I think has continued to evolve, will continue to evolve as soil management practices uh, are improved by more science on soil health and things like that. But we spent a lot of time discussing, you know, how, uh, how to talk about what's, what's a good planting hole. And I think we came to a good compromise for the current version. And I, I can imagine in the next three or four years that even that we would have more, there's more science that's going to support uh, different practices for that. So if I gather, uh, is there some, some debate about, about that topic? Yeah, there's lots of debate about, you know, uh, what, uh, what size a planting hole should be and and certainly the soil quality that a tree is going into should dictate that. That's right. not always been the case. So we really See. tried to provide some, some fundamental information around how to make decisions about uh, the planting hole quality and, and what, how that should be dictated by the soil. And it's, yeah, it's not a one size fits all. It's not yeah. one size fits all. It's really hard to write, uh, to write something that's, uh, people want to maybe build a specification off of when it's, it's saying you need to really understand what your planting site looks like to make that decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Any other examples? That yeah. Come the, the other one is staking. So we spent a lot of time talking about staking. Uh, and I think one of the things that, uh, came out of the discussion and certainly is supported by their research uh, over the last you know 10 or so years is that staking shouldn't be a default practice um, and really thinking about tree quality your planting site taking more of a systems kind of approach to thinking about what if and when you should use stakes that was uh, we spent a lot of time talking about staking and and if and when you should use stakes and how to, how to word it so people could really understand what decision they were making. Maybe I do want to get into the weeds with that yeah. with this and, and ask, um, is it common practice? You see it a lot with municipalities, for yep. example, when they uh, plant trees along a boulevard, a long stretch, they'll all be staked. Um, yep. When is it right? And when is it maybe not needed or, or is, can it be harmful? Right, yeah. Um, well, and that's, that's it. it is, it's default practice for, for a couple of reasons. 
One is that it provides a, a layer of protection to the trees. So things, when trees are staked in, especially in municipal settings, it provides like a little bit of a visual barrier, um, and if not a physical barrier to vandalism and things like that. Sure. So uh, it's often desirable in those situations. Um, there's more and more research out there saying, you know, if you are planting certain kinds of uh, trees that you, they don't need staking, it, it really depends on the tree quality going into the site and certainly on the soil quality. So if you have, uh, you know, trees that are going into really poor, poor quality sites and maybe the uh, tree itself is not of the best quality, then, you know, staking might be necessary at those kinds of sites. Um, but yeah, it, it has changed a lot in the understanding about timing of planting and things like that. Roots uh, growing into soil, how long trees should have stakes on has changed because we do see it a lot in the landscape where stakes aren't removed. Um, and that's really, can be really quite damaging. And um, if stakes are attached too tightly, then trees aren't moving and they're not building caliber and they're not actually really establishing at the site. So this idea that every tree needs to be staked, I think that, um, I think that's going to continue to evolve too. Right, and particularly if um, if there's not that maintenance after to, to right. remove it when it needs yep. to be removed and so forth. Then maybe uh, you're better not in those cases to understood. do it. Understood. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So that's a couple examples of some some of the evolution of best practices. Mm -hmm. Uh, what are some common misperceptions? I guess that's maybe a couple. Do you have yeah. any more examples of, of common mistakes, not even maybe just horticulturalists or horticultural professionals, mm -hmm. but the public? What are some things that are in this tree guide that, um, you know, sort of tackle some of those mis misperceptions perhaps? Yeah, I think one of the things that uh, has has had a lot of research on it over the last few years, and we hope we've captured it here, is planting depth. Um, that's something that, uh, you know, the science is demonstrating how important proper planting depth actually is. Um, and so making sure that root flares aren't buried in the landscape, um, making sure that, you know, when you're getting trees from the nursery that you can see the root flare, you can understand what, what uh, depth the tree is going into the landscape at can be really, really important. Um, and then that's sort of further compounded with uh, the improper use of mulch, I would say. Um, and so for your listeners, I'm sure everyone knows the mulch volca volcano, that's sort yes. of the, the joke. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, those two things do go hand in hand. So proper planting depth so that you have a tree that roots are, you know, where they're supposed to be in the soil profile is really important for all sorts of reasons, certainly stability is one, but access to water uh, and other nutrients as well as oxygen is important. And then making sure that you're not just um, mounding uh, mulch on the tree. It shouldn't be touching the trunk. It should be pulled back from the trunk. It's a weird weed barrier as well as, you know, to provide moisture and, and moderate temperature, but it shouldn't be, you know, a volcano up the trunk. <laughs> and I guess the fact that you know, we still see it so often, yeah, that yeah. volcano, which is easy to see, so it jumps right out. Yeah. Um, we still see it so often. Uh, hopefully most LO members uh, understand yeah. it. I'm sure they do. Yeah. Um, but but uh, you know we do still see it so often, uh, often in that municipal park setting. Yes. Yeah. Um, but that misperception is obviously still out there. It is, and it's something that, you know, what we felt we could do with the guide is, you know, we, we know that a lot of uh, people in the Landscape Ontario membership t understand this, understand the practice, but what we hope we've captured is 
the information behind it so that they can also educate their clients and say like this is why we apply mulch like this and not like that um, and and maybe that's something that the guide can do for them yeah and I imagine as well it, it's a training tool for, yeah. for young or for anybody entering uh, horticulture yeah. um, and, and companies can use it to, to help their staff understand and uh, hopefully municipalities as well with For their sure. parks and, and yeah. forestry departments not to single them out yeah but, <laughs> yeah um, it can be I, I assume it's a it's a real educational tool for in that kind of way yeah, for sure. We do. Uh, we have had a lot of interest actually from a lot of the colleges in terms of their, you know, their programs that are targeted at uh, landscape and horticultural technicians. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's it's been nice to pass this along to those groups for sure. So, what was your favorite part of being involved uh, in this process? Uh, it obviously was a lot of work. And, yeah. Uh, what yeah. was your, What did you enjoy about it? Um, I loved the chance to really get into uh, the literature. It was an excuse to get out there and do sort of this, you know, 360 on on who's doing what um, in my field. Uh, getting to connect with some of those researchers was really nice. So one of the things that um, people might notice in the guide is it's got lots of um, resources from other folks included in it so you know photos figures uh, data that people have shared with us that was really fun for us it was it was a good excuse to get out to our colleagues and say hey we're, we're writing this thing and we'd like to feature some of the things that you guys are doing in it because I mean we're one small group here and we have we have the ability to, to, to touch a lot of other groups out there so that was I think that was my favorite part was getting into the all of the research that's out there and touching base with a, with a bunch of the researchers that are doing these really Im impressive things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I know it hasn't been out for long, yeah. but have you have, has there been much feedback? Have you heard from people about uh, how they felt about it? Yeah, I would say that we've had a lot of positive feedback already. Um, I don't know, this is the first project like this that I've ever done, and so it's really scary to put it out there and you know, in print with your name on it saying like, here's the thing we're presenting to the world and hoping that people like it or can can use it or it's helpful to them. Uh, so it's been really exciting for us when, you know, we've gotten a lot of emails and calls already of people saying that, you know, they can see they can see where where they're going to be able to use it or they've just really enjoyed reading it. And certainly for us, like I say, it's being used in, in curriculum at the college level. So that was really nice too to know that it's it's going into the next generation and hopefully over the next little while myself and my team can spend some time you know going and maybe talking to these groups if people are interested about it. That's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah very cool. Now, what about um, what's next for for you and <laughs> uh, and your work at at Vineland and your research? Uh, do you, do you know what uh, what the next uh, next phase is going to look like or what what are you working on? Yeah. Well, uh, we work a lot. Um, we work along the urban tree spectrum, I would say. So we work uh, wherever wherever there's a need for information about urban tree establishment, we, we work there. So we work a lot with the nursery sector. Um, we're doing a major project right now with some cities in Ontario, helping them uh, to improve their soil specifications. So specifically with the city of Toronto and in York region, trying to you know look at taking what we know about tree planting and and especially this whole idea of you know urban soil quality um, so that's a big focus for us right now um, we're getting into 
some more research on uh, species selection. So really trying to understand the constraints of uh, climate change on what trees we should be planting, trying to help our nursery growers understand you know, what kinds of things might change in their inventories, right. how they might need to change their practices to tackle some new species. Um, that's a big, I would say that's a big target on the horizon for us is trying to get get into that space, really help uh, make some informed decisions about you know, what trees we're planting and certainly the environment they're going into. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it's so important, uh, the more healthy trees that are, that are surviving mm -hmm. and, and thriving in our, in our communities and in our urban settings, yeah. the better. And it, and it is a challenge, isn't it? Uh, it's a major challenge, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and over the last few years, maybe even longer than that, I guess, uh, people have really been changing their perceptions about um, urban tree inventories in cities, so really understanding um, the nuances of biodiversity and, and how we can tackle those things. Certainly emerald ash borer has been something that, you know, was an unpleasant lesson for all mm -hmm. of us, I think. Yeah, mm -hmm. but um, hopefully able to uh, we're able to uh, the horticultural profession is able to use that lesson and, and make um, you know good choices yeah. um, and learn from it. I guess that's all you can do. Absolutely, and really just um, one of the things that we hope to do in our role is to connect up those players. So you know, provide things like the planting guide and other resources where everyone can can have a solid uh, basis of information for making these decisions. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. And as a last thing, you're going to be at Congress. Uh, I am. That's my understanding. Can yeah. you tell us about what's uh, what you'll be up to there? Sure. I love Congress. I'm, I, I look forward to it every year. It's like a, it's like a field day. You get out. You get to see everyone. This year, um, I'm presenting on the planting guide actually, and it's going to be fun. It's going to be different because I'm uh, presenting with uh, Glenn Loomis and Ian Bruce. So we're doing a tag team, I think, approach on the presentation. So. What that'll look like, uh, who knows? But I think it's going to be really fun, and I'm really looking forward to getting to talking about it. Now, who would be a good? Uh, what type of people would be good to come to that to, to learn? Do you think? I think that um, really anyone who is involved in tree planting, we talk about uh, chain of custody with trees. So, like you know, when you think about all the way from a seed or a seedling to anyone in culture, you know, who touches a tree somewhere along the way, that's the chain of custody. So we really have to start thinking about connecting up all of those uh, players because really that, that value chain is what determines the success of trees in our landscape. So we hope that we'll see uh, people from all of those groups, landscape architects, certainly designers, uh, uh, contractors, arborists, everyone. Great, great. Yeah. I look forward to it. That's gonna be that's gonna be pretty cool. Uh, and yeah, you're right. Uh, as Tony says, Congress is a is a homecoming. It is for, yeah. for horticulture for and, sure. and landscaping, and uh, it's it's always a lot of fun. Yeah. And that should be a great conference or a great seminar. So looking forward to that. Well, thank you so much. Great. I think we covered at least some of the basics of the tree guide and and why it's important and and some things that uh, are included in it. And uh, we really appreciate you coming to the office and uh, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me. <laughs>